this morning, we, we sat early in this week and, and we looked at our scripture text and it's going to be the end of James. James chapter 5 verses 13, 13 through 20. And as we looked at that text, we noticed that there's a very distinct encouragement and call to prayer. So this morning, that's what we want to do. We want to worship, we want to celebrate, we want to pray, we want to read scripture together, and we want to do it in a little different way. So if it, it feels a little weird, don't worry, it's okay. We just want to release ourselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit this morning, allowing God and Jesus to do the work that only they can do this morning. If this is a week where you walk in the building and you say, man, I really could just use some encouragement for the Lord, we pray that today's that day. Whether it be through our songs or through scripture reading or just through conversations that you get to have, we're really praying that we will just be in the presence of the Lord. And so this morning, if you're online, we want you to worship and pray with us right there in your home. We're going to guide you through some prayer times. We're going to read scripture together. And you and your home, you lead your family. And you just encourage, we encourage you to worship there as we worship in this room. But we're so glad that you guys are with us. Are you ready for this? You excited about what God may be doing today? Well, let's pray together and follow the Lord wherever he leads. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day, this time of worship, that we get to come together to celebrate, to pray, to encourage one another, to challenge one another even if we needed to. But hopefully by the end of this service, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, through your leadership, through your scriptures, through our songs of celebration that we get to sing, Father, that you would be more of our Savior today than ever before. Father, that we would leave this place forever changed because we know that you are with us, that you care for us, you value us, that you are going before us, you are fighting on our behalf, and you are taking care of all the needs that we have. Father, this service, as we are, find ourselves here, whether in our homes, online, or whether we're sitting in this room, will we follow you? May we follow you every step of the way. So, Father, as we worship you, you be here, you in this room, in the homes that are represented. God, would you just lead us straight to your Holy Spirit so we can hear you, we can see you, and we can experience your presence in our lives. Father, some of us walked in this and we have no idea what to expect. We don't know who Jesus is. We don't know what the Holy Spirit is. We don't know what the presence of God means. That today would be that day that we can exemplify it in front of our friends that need you, but that they would experience you for the first time in an eternal relationship with you. Father, this time is yours. This worship service is yours. We want to get out of the way and follow you every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you got a Bible, go ahead and join us in James chapter 5. This really is an opportunity for us to, to really see a breakthrough of the Lord today. And we're going to do that different ways. The first way that we want to do that is, is, is what we're entitling ministry through community. And as James has written to us all throughout his letter, all throughout his book, there's just this underlying call to community. Like, we need to be together. Like, we really need to put away our, our situations, our pride, our agendas, and simply be together. From the moment of James's first, first words to right now, the call of community is something that is really just huge for us. And, and really for us, it's kind of like the... The highlight jumping off point here for us is to say when James says that the community should come together and pray, then that is what we should do. That our first response, to no matter who says what, no matter how they're doing or what their situation may be, that our first response is to celebrate, is to pray, is to seek the Lord's presence in everything that we do. So that's what we want to do this morning. So let's join together in John chapter, excuse me, James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. He says this, is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? 
then let them sing songs of praise. If there's any one of you among you sick, then let them call on the elders to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. For the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will also be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. That verse right there at verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, sometimes we may not feel like we're right, we're the righteous, but that's the development of the disciple. As we draw closer to God, we feel his power, we feel his presence, we become righteous as we really allow ourselves into that intimacy of relationship, and God begins to transform our hearts. This call to prayer, this call to really be a part is not just a let's just check a box. It's a call to let the DNA of our, of our existence as individuals, as families, as a church, the DNA of our existence become times of prayer, that we would pray for people, that we would go before the Lord, sometimes randomly, that we didn't know that we were supposed to be praying at that specific time in that specific place, but here we are, that we would go if we knew they were sick, that we would initiate conversation, go to them, and we would pray. That you yourself would call out for prayer and say, hey, I need prayer. I need people to, to, to set me apart, to anoint me with oil, to help me. You'd call upon the elders. We would need those times. You know, often our tendency in this is when we look at times of suffering, times of trouble, what James writes in verse 513, we say, well, why me? I mean, in 2020, have you ever, have you ever asked that question? Well, why me? Why am I stuck in this home during quarantine? Why am I stuck in this job? Why am I sick and I can't ever feel better? Why am I afflicted? Why, 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 why? So many times we seek that question, we seek to answer that question, yet we find no satisfaction because we're asking the wrong question. It's not why did God do this to me or why is this happening to me? The question is what is God trying to do through this moment? In those moments of affliction, those times of trouble, in those situations where we're sick and we just can't get better, this, you know, James's church, J Justin said it last week, you know, we look at the nine months of quarantine that we've been in and this COVID stuff so far, and we're like, oh my gosh, this is like an eternity. But here at this church, it was the beginning of their life to the end of their life was nothing but affliction. And James is telling them, don't look at the why, look at the what. What is God showing you right now in these moments of your life? What is God demonstrating? His faithfulness, his provision, his healing. What is God doing in your moment? What, are, what is God teaching you about himself? What is God asking of you in these moments? What is it that God would have us do? Mark Batterson, who is a pastor in Washington, D.C., he says this, the circumstances that you want God to change may be the circumstances that God is using to change you. So if we're in a situation when James is saying, if you're sick, you should pray, but don't, sick, don't pray just because, well, God, I need to get over this. That is true, and that is a good prayer. We do want God to heal us, but at the same time, God, what are you needing me to demonstrate? What are you needing to show me, to teach me, so that you can change my heart, so that I'm more dependent on you than I've ever been before? If 2020 has not taught us anything else, it should teach us this, that we are out of control we have no say. We have no, we have no voice in this matter. Only God can direct and orchestrate our steps. So if we're sick, we should pray and say, God, what is your next step for me? What is the next step for my family, for my church? 
If you're happy, you should pray, God, thank you so much that you've been faithful. You've led me so well. You continue to be faithful and provide, and you continue to lead me in peace, even though there's trouble around me. What are you trying to do? This isn't a week for the only the weak. You know, it's not just like, if you're not sick, then don't worry about praying this. If you're, if you're already happy, then you're good. This is a call for all of us. Do you know somebody that is sick? How much have you prayed for them? And not just like a casual, like, I'm praying for you, brother, praying for you, sister. I mean, you go before the Lord each and every morning saying, my, my friend is hurting. My friend is in trouble. My friend is afflicted. My friend is just in a deep, dark situation, and they need the presence of God in their lives. You know anybody that's happy? Instead of getting jealous because they're doing good and you're not, maybe we celebrate what God is doing in their life and just say, God, continue to multiply that happiness and that joy that they're experiencing. And then if some of you are like, I am beyond the point of return, I don't know what can happen here, then James writes that you are to call upon the elders. Call upon the righteous, the most righteous of the church. The elders are supposed to be that. You call upon them and you say, would you come anoint me with oil and pray over me? Now, before some of you that are deep Southern Baptists go, where are we going? There are two things about this. One is oil was medicinal back in the New Testament time. Do you remember that? No better example of that was in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus comes and he talks about the Good Samaritan that falls in the hands of robbers and two people pass by and the third one who's a Samaritan that should hate his guts stops and he anoints his body with oil to clean his wounds. Back in the New Testament time, elders were part of the ministry of healing because they would take the oil and they would anoint the wounds and clean the wounds and do things that they could do. They were educated. They knew some things. But what also God is saying here is they are anointing so they could be set apart. Think about all the times in Scripture where you saw someone that was anointed and God set them apart for something, set them apart for leadership, set them apart for ministry, set them apart so God could work in their lives and God was going to do something in their lives that only God could do. And we anoint you with oil because we want to set you apart because there's nothing that we can do. When God heals you, God is going to heal you. If he does it through medicine, praise God. If he does it supernaturally, praise God. If he heals you by taking you to heaven, praise God. But we are going to praise God in the midst of your ailment and your situation. And we're going to set you apart because what happens from here is only because of God. So this morning, we want to get into a time of prayer because some of you are sick. You may not be physically sick, but you're emotionally sick. You're mentally sick. You're spiritually sick. You're tired. You're worn out. You're at the end of the road. And this morning, normally we would love to surround you with people that were going to lay their hands on you and just pray over you. So this morning, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that. But the power of prayer is so powerful that if I pray with you six feet away from you, it's like I'm six centimeters away from you. If you are at home and we're praying for you as well, if you would just simply put in the chat box, I need some prayer. We may be digitally apart, but we are together in the presence of the Holy Spirit. This morning, we want to do that. If you are happy and there's a celebration, man, we want to celebrate with you. If God has done something remarkable, we, want to, we just want to share in the joy of God moving. If some of you are like, I'm almost at the point of no return and I need the elders, we want to encourage you to reach out to the elders this week and say, would you come and would you pray over me? Would you come and just spend some time? My friend John Levesque, who you know as, a, as an elder here, we got an opportunity to do that just a few weeks ago. And we got to go and just pray with a gentleman in our church.
and just anoint him and just set him apart for God, whatever you want to do next, we want to celebrate you. We want to trust you. We want to have the faith that whatever you do next is only something that you could do. So this morning, I want to invite you to pray. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. And I want to guide us through some time of prayer. This morning, before we even pray, I think it's important that we confess a little bit. And so this morning, just, just between you and God, we're not taking notes. We don't have cameras pointed at every single person. Just between you and God, right there in your seat where you sit, right there in your home, if there's any unconfessed sin, if there's anything that you have not just released into the Lord's presence, then this is your time right now. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You just tell the Lord right now. Before we move forward, God, before we start praying about what's going on with us, we need to commit our hearts to you. Father, whatever is in our hearts right now, whatever unconfessed sin that may be residing, Father, we lay it at your feet right now so that we can just have a pure moment with you, that no barrier is keeping us apart. Take a minute and just pray. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Once you release that sin into Jesus, it's time for the new. So let's prepare ourselves for it. This morning, everybody's still, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you are sick or afflicted, whether that's mentally, physically, spiritually, and you would just say in a moment of just privacy, you don't have to raise your hand high. Just slip it up and slip it down. Say, if that's me, I am sick. I need, I need prayer. I'm in trouble. I'm afflicted. I'm suffering. Would you just pray with me? Would you raise your hand? For you at home, if you feel comfortable doing that, you could just put a, you put a hand raise on online in the chat box. You could, you could even respond through prayer at the fellowship.cc. Email us right now. We want to pray with you. Father God, you saw the hands. They were all over the room. Men, women, teenagers. Father, there are people right now that are hurting. They're either physically sick, they're suffering, they're afflicted. God, and myself, I'm so limited, God. I'm a human being. I can't do anything on my own. But thank you for scripture that encourages go to the Father. Go to Jesus. Go to the Holy Spirit. Begin to ask you to come in this situation. You come into this room. You come into our homes. You come into these people's lives, God. And begin to do the things that only you can do. And God, and I don't know each and every situation, but I don't need to. You do. That's your job. That's your role. My job is to bring people to you. So, Father, as we come together as friends, as strangers, as family, as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, as we come in the room and we come digitally together, 
Father, would you bring about answers and healing? Would you bring about peace? Sometimes we need comfort. Father, would you begin to work in our lives so vividly, so extravagantly, so clearly that we clearly see you moving. We clearly see you changing lives one at a time, beginning with ours. And Father, this moment that we would say, this is the mile marker where you began to do something different and we trusted you like we've never trusted before. In the power of Jesus' name, we pray. If you have cause for celebration this morning, if you say, man, God has just been so faithful and so good, would you do the same? Would you just slip that hand up? Man, God, how, how awesome and wonderful you are that hands are raising here in this room. I know people in their home, they're doing it as well. God, you continue to provide. You continue to be awesome. You continue to do the things that only you can do. And we praise you. We celebrate you. Father, would you continue and multiply it, not for our glory, not for our benefit, so that others would come to know you. That the joy that we experience in our heart, the 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 praise and, the, and just the, the awesomeness that we feel that comes from only your presence, God, that it would just shine so brightly in the presence of the people around us, God, that we would bring them to know Jesus as well. Because they want a taste of it. They want a piece of it. They want the same joy that we have and only can be found in Jesus Christ. James said, if anyone is happy, then he should praise the Lord. And here we are, two or more gathered together, praising the Lord. Now, this one is a little more difficult. Are you afflicted beyond the point of no return? If you are, would you raise your hand? Father, we know that there are some in our room. There are some watching at home. They're afflicted with cancer. They're going through a really difficult time in their marriage and their family. Father, there are some that they've gotten bad news from the doctor. God, there are some that are trying to privately walk through a time by themselves on their own power. And God, in it's moments like this that we say, let us all stop in our tracks and be set apart so that you get the glory, you get the victory, you get the healing. God, that your power, your existence, you are the only one, you're the only reason why we make it next, next week. You're the only one that why we can take the next step. Father, if there are those that are afflicted, God, would you have them just in a moment of boldness and courage and initiation, God, would you have them reach out to the elders so that we would know to pray for them. God, that we would be able to set them apart so that the victory comes from you and comes from you alone. Father, this is your service. This is your time. We want to continue this time by singing and worshiping, but God, would you continue to move in our lives in a powerful way? Yes, in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. One of the most beautiful things is that we have an instant connection with God the Father through Jesus Christ. We don't have to guess. We don't have to check boxes. We just simply need to know Jesus. And so when we pray that, God, we are not enough unless you come, 
That's a very intimate, personal prayer because it's also a, a courageous and bold prayer that I'm not moving until you show up and tell me where to go next. Too many times we say, you stay there, God. I'm going to go over here only to go, oh, God, please come back. Please come back. Please come back. Please come back. We need to change our heart. And sometimes we don't feel worthy of that. Yeah, you read the Bible sometimes and you say, man, I could never be that spiritual. I mean, let's don't raise our hands because truly all of us have probably done that at some point. You read about the disciples, you read about Paul, you read about Moses and David and other, some pe other people, other heroes of the faith in the Bible, and you're like, I could never do that. James has a word for you. Let's carry on in chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 17, you with me? First words out of James' mouth in verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Some of your translations say, with the same nature of that of man. Many same sinful tendencies, same doubts, same questions, same challenges. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for, on the land for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. You ever have moments where you just want to pause and reflect on God's power? I mean, to me, that's got to be one of those, like, only God could do moments. I mean, not to rain for three and a half years, and all of a sudden, here comes a rain cloud, boom, it's raining. You think about the statistical, scientific fact of how that happened? There's probably so many zeros, zeros in that number, we don't even know how to say it. And we think, we'll read that scripture, and we'll say, you know... Elijah, man, he prayed three and a half years and it didn't rain and then he prayed and all of a sudden it rained. I could never do that. That's because you pray in three and a half minutes. And if God doesn't order, <laughs> if God doesn't answer you and follow your orders in three and a half minutes, you doubt God. Right here, we've got to learn God's might through communion. And communion here is an intimacy of relationship. We need to have fellowship. We need to have intimacy. We need to have an intense, personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. How does Elijah earnestly pray for three and a half years? Because he had an intimate relationship with God that knew that God was going to do the things that God said he was going to do. And not only did he have that relationship that had faith, he said God will do the things that God is do. God will also do the things that I would like for him to do because we have that relationship. Where Elijah is not commanding God... God is saying, let's just prove them wrong. Let's keep praying. You keep praying. They're going to think you're crazy, but you keep praying. They're going to think you're ridiculous because you keep praying for this thing that never happens. It never happens. It never happens. We'll show them. They're going to try it their way. They're going to try it with their gods. They're going to do it through their tactics and their power. But only I have the power to do the things that only I can do. How many times have we tried to do things our way? in our power, in our tactics, on our timeline. And then we read the Bible and be like, I could never be like them. Friends, I was encouraged by Francis Chan as I was looking over the life group material. David, Moses, disciples, Paul, Elijah, Ezekiel, Elisha, Mary, Ruth, Esther, Timothy, Luke, Mark, 
You want to go down the list? That's all I could get you right there in a couple seconds. We're all the same. The only difference between those names written in the Bible and sometimes us right now is the faith in which we project and the faith that we have in our hearts. The intimacy relationship with every single one of those individuals with God was proof that God was real. You want God to show up in your life, develop an intimate relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Read the scriptures. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Live the Bible. Nothing gets done unless the Bible says it can get done. I'm not moving unless God says we move. I'm not trying that anymore. I'm not going to listen to what they say. That influence has no power on me. The only influence on me is God through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. The world may say that you're through and God's saying, I'm just warming up. Doctor could look at you and say, it's over. And God's saying, I hadn't even started yet. The world would tell you to fly out of that relationship, get it behind you, get done. And God's saying, I'm about to bring the Holy Spirit. We're going to restore the whole thing. You don't quit on God because God is yet to quit on you. Never once was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. I can't go back to the beginning. I can't control what tomorrow brings. But here in the middle is where you promise to be. James is saying, you have an intimate relationship with God. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what comes next. That was his words just a few chapters ago. You can't control it. You can't stop it. You can't do anything about it, but you can be right here, right now, investing in prayer, investing in praise, investing in celebration, investing in the spirit, investing in a relationship, investing in a friendship, investing in discipleship, and watch God do something powerful as you follow him, not him follow you. So this morning, our prayer time is do you have an intimate, personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know Jesus? I don't care if you've been in church for 50 years. If you don't know Jesus, that's a wasted 50 years. But in this moment, in this situation, we can change the trajectory of your relationship. And you could give your life to Christ, whether you've known him for five seconds or 50 years. And man, God could flip heaven upside down here on earth because of the relationship he begins with you. Some of you, your situations, what James is teaching and what he's preaching is, you know that situation, you're afflicted, you're sick, you're hurting. Don't go it by yourself. We're calling the community around you, but we're not just calling the community. We're calling the power of God. We're calling the Holy Spirit to show up. So if the Holy Spirit is showing up, let's make him a welcome guest. Let's start by in our heart. Is Jesus here? Not here. Is Jesus here? God doesn't want us to transform by facts. He wants us to transform by relationship. The facts don't add up. That's right, because the relationship is what matters. God is weird. Yes, I know, but he still is powerful and strong and does things that only God can do. I don't believe in Jesus. Guess what? It's okay. At some point, all of us in this room, we didn't either. But here we are now, and not only do we believe in him, we have watched him do things time and time and time and time again that only he could do. I mean, if a person of friendship says, hey, you should buy that, generally we go, hey, I think I should buy that. Then why is it here that we say, hey, I have an incredible relationship with Jesus, and we go, yeah, that's not for me. 
Maybe it should be the reverse. Man, my relationship with Jesus is so awesome. Man, I want that because everything I'm trying stinks. You want to see God's might, start with communion with him. Start in that relationship with him. Watch with him do some incredible things. James reminds us here, he reminds us now that he wants to do things in your life. Hear that clearly. God wants to change your life. God wants to change your circumstances. God is not done with you. But we need to have that intimate relationship with him so we can see him. So when you sing, it is well with my soul, it's not just a beautiful song. Man, it's a declaration. It is well with my soul. The world could be falling apart, but it is well with my soul. I could be on death's doorstep, but it is well with my soul. The world, my friendships are fading and falling, and man, all these things are going bad, but it is well with my soul. Did you sing that today with truth and honesty? That's what we want to pray about here. That's, this is that concentrated time of prayer. So join me. Bow your heads real quick. Let's close our eyes. Father, right now, here in this moment, there may be some of us in this room that we talk a good game, but if you were to look at our hearts, you would see emptiness and brokenness and we are hopeless. But Father, Elijah was just a human being, just like us. And the intimacy of relationship that he had with you gave him the freedom and the ability to pray and earnestly say, would you just make it, would you make it stop rain? For three and a half years, you answered that prayer. And then for another prayer, he says, God, go ahead and make it rain. And you made it rain. God, some of us have been praying for something for a long time. May we continue to pray, whether it takes three and a half years or three and a half decades. May we continue to pray and seek your presence because of the intimacy and relationship that we have. Knowing that if it takes a while, it's okay because you're with us. But Father, if there's any one of us in here, young, old, middle adult, senior adult, teenager, somebody watching on the TV, child in the room, and we say we don't know who Jesus is, but I need to have that relationship that Scott's talking about that today we would have holy, deep, intimate, clear relationship and communion with you. If you don't know who Jesus is, I just want you to invite you into a prayer. Just say, Father, I need you. I need you to be the Lord of my life. I've tried it my way, and I fail every time. But today, I want to start a new relationship. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I want to invite Jesus into my soul. So that I can be just as faithful. Just as intimate with you. As every person in this room as every person in that Bible. Father, will you become the Lord of my life? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, before we get to the last two verses, have you enjoyed James? Yeah. Really, it's been a fun book. And these last two verses are really for us 
real important final two. Because it's not enough that we pray. It's not enough that we have that intimate relationship. We also feel it's our job to go get other people and help them have the same experience that we have. Do you know somebody in your life right now that you would say is just far from the Lord? Has no clue who he is? Has no understanding of the power that God possesses? Has never intimately known Jesus to do anything in their life? Do you know those people? Do you know some people that are like that but they grew up in the church? Maybe they grew up in your own home. But when you look, if you're honest, and you look at their spiritual life with Jesus, it is either broken or non-existent. James calls upon us in the last two verses to really begin to change that. So let's read together the last two verses of James in chapter 5. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the air of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Wandering away, straying from Jesus. Part of our ministry, our mission, is to bring them back to repentance. Let's be clear about something. Let's just agree. I, you, every person in this room, every person watching online, we alone cannot save anyone. We don't have that power. But we do know who does. Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, coming, coming in hot, as the kids like to say, coming in, filling our lives, changing our hearts, changing the circumstances and the narrative of our situations, but leading us straight to the God of all creation. So for us, I have to ask, are you wandering away from the presence of God? Do you love Jesus and God on Sunday, occasionally on Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you don't even know how to spell their names. Got quiet. Do you know friends that are in the same situation? Part of our job is to say, hey, man, God, you know you're the all-powerful. You can do some great things. We are going to celebrate you when you are doing the high things. We call it the high-top experiences, the mountaintop experiences at camp. We have it on Wednesday nights with, with worship. We have it here on Sunday mornings. We have it on Sunday nights and nights of worship. We have those high-top moments, right? Those moments where, man, we are going to put it on social media how great God was. But is God great on just the mountaintops? Or can God be great in the depths of the valley as well? Friends, either you or people you know have at some point or currently sitting in the depth of the valley having no clue the power of God. It is now time for us as a church, as individuals, as families, as ministries to go into the valleys of the unknown with the power of the Holy Spirit and light the way back to Jesus. We are to do our part to help the process of people coming to know Jesus Christ by creating opportunities and invitations with our prayer time, with our celebrations, with our encouragement, with our relational investment, all the things that it takes to bring somebody back to Jesus. That's on us. That's what we can control. I can get you to the threshold of salvation, but I cannot take you across. So we are going to have a fun time from the moment A to the threshold. We're going to have a party all the way there. And if it takes us 10 years, if it takes us 50 years, if it takes all my life, it is not wasted if we bring a sinner to the Savior and they walk into eternity with an eternal relationship with God. 
Are you willing to walk with them for the rest of your life? Don't shake your head yet. You need to pray about that. Am I willing to be frustrated? Am I willing to be kicked apart? Am I willing to be put down? Am I willing to go through the depths of hell to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ? I hope and pray you would say yes. It's awkward silence, I know. But it's okay. I want you to think about one or two people in your life right now that need Jesus Christ. Think about them. Face. Put, put them in your, burn them on your brain if you have to. Get out your phone. Look at their picture if you have to. They need Jesus. Could be in your home. Could be in your neighborhood. Could be at your place of work. Could be inside this church. And you look at their picture. You think about their face. Male, female, senior adult, teenager, child, husband, wife, son, daughter, cousin, uncle, aunt, grandma, outlaw, in-law, whatever. Ask yourself the question. Am I willing to commit the rest of my life to seeing them come to know Jesus? If it takes 50 years, am I willing? Here's the, here's the reason why we should be willing, because James says... Whoever turns a sinner from the air of the way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. If that's the only thing, the only difference I get to make in their life, and they get to know Jesus, then not a single moment was wasted. Not a single day was spent in vain. I need to commit that I would help them come to know Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we finish up, we're going to pray, and then I want to talk before we sing that last song. Can we do that? I want to, I want to come back. I know you're like, stop talking. But I want to pray for those people specifically this morning because they need to be in your, your mind. Some of you have been around here a long time. You know what's coming next. Do you see the empty chairs? Next week, don't come by yourself. Bring, make an invitation for that person to come with you. Leave that empty chair for as long as it takes until they sit in that chair. Scott, that could take like 50 years. I don't care. I really don't. I mean, my dad, I told our life group this story. My dad had a situation in New Orleans, Louisiana. Dad, if I get it wrong, you can correct me later because I know he's watching online. He's preaching Sunday night. Really quick story. Preaching Sunday night service. Those of you that grew up in uh, Sunday night Baptist culture, remember that? You had to go. All that. Okay, we did that. As I remember it, and it could be wrong because I've slept since then, man comes down. He's like 70-something years old. Been in our church for quite a while comes down, tells my dad, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. You know who's coming down right behind him? His wife, who's been praying for him for like 50 years. Crying, weeping. Is it worth it? You better believe it. What's a 50-year investment compared to eternity? Sounds like an easy investment if you ask me. Let's pray. Right now, you think about those people. You ask God, God, would you put their face in my mind right now? Could be one, could be two, could be more. God, this person that we're looking at in our minds, in our hearts right now, they do not know you. They are wandering, they are straying. God, they could have grown up in the church, they could be totally lost, they've never been in the church. 
They could be our best friend in the whole wide world. They could be a complete, total stranger. But for whatever reason, they're on my heart, and I want to pray for them right now. That person or those people are sitting in my mind, in my heart. Here we are. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the relationship with Jesus Christ, through God the Almighty, all the Trinity right now, God, would you allow us to see those individuals, those people that are on our mind, on our hearts, on our brains, whether it takes five minutes or 50 years, would you allow us to see them come to know Jesus? Would you allow us boldness and courage to make invitations, to come to our next ministry event, to come to worship with us, to come for Bible study, to get on our Zoom calls with our life group, to take them out to coffee, to go to dinner with our families, and just allow us to invest the presence of God in their lives so that whether it takes a few minutes or forever, they come to know you. Because God, the investment that we're making is saving them from eternal death and covering a multitude of sins so that they can have a pure, holy, righteous relationship with you. It's a worthy investment and we need to make it. So God, that we would be the church, we would be the people, we would be the life group, we would be the families, I would be the individual and many friends with me would be the individuals. That we would do whatever it takes to develop relationship investment to create disciples of not us, but of Jesus Christ who will gather, who will grow and go in your name, for your glory, for your kingdom. But God, that you would make it burn on our hearts that whatever it takes is what we have to do. God, your word will not return void, and so we're praying it into existence right now that the investment that we make spiritually returns into a kingdom win. All the things that we prayed about this morning, these are kingdom wins. These are not Scott's wins. These are not individual wins. These are not family wins. These are kingdom wins. So God, whatever you do from here, these people, we want to see a kingdom win in their heart. We want to see a life-changing relationship with Jesus in their heart. We want to find them in eternity when we get there. For your glory and your kingdom alone, in Jesus' name, amen.